My Michelle Live podcast. My, my, my Michelle Live. Hey, thank you for being part of My Michelle Live. What a world we live in. Things and technology changes exponentially. And it seems almost daily, doesn't it? Think about it. The big news this week is artificial intelligence. It's huge and it's just exploded recently with programs like All E2, which can create really intricate, sophisticated images from just keywords. Chat GPT generates text responses to human inquiries and you may have even called customer service and thought you were talking with a real person but really it's artificial intelligence now there's some good some bad some ugly and a god story in all of this and we're going to not only take it on but we're going to take it on with a view from Jerusalem with the one and only Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein. So delighted to have you. Let's get that view, shall we? And now a view from Jerusalem with Rabbi Adlerstein. Welcome, Rabbi. It is delightful to have you with us today. Now, can I please just confirm somehow that you are the actual rabbi and not an artificially intelligent computerized digital image (laughs) i'm not sure but many people equipped that it's a supreme irony that you now have artificial intelligent programs asking you before you interface with them prove you're not a robot (laughs) oh the irony (laughs) can we just say that's maybe even a little hypocritical (laughs) but it underscores what this is all about these ai programs are not free thinking beings yet and i want to talk about that they're just circuits right now and they don't know the difference between right and wrong or truth and falsehood and they can tell you and wax poetic what irony is but they don't experience it the way that we do on the other hand Michelle, you got to admit that besides this being one of the really the most important technological breakthroughs in 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 decades, really something that's going to transform the world, this offers new hope to many people because artificial intelligence is the only kind of intelligence that they can ever hope to have. And about people in government. <laughs> Yes, I don't think you're going to get a big argument there. There's a lot to unpack with our AI. There's fear of what can this mean? If any of us have watched any Hollywood productions, you don't even have to ask yourself what could possibly go wrong. But as with any new technology, there are great benefits to mankind. There was one, at one point, people were afraid of washing machines. What does this mean? And it'll put washers out of people who do washing out of work. You know, man adapts and it buys us time for other things. But we also know that working with artificial intelligence, um, if you've ever called customer service or have texted customer service, their limitations and their inability to think out of the box is beyond frustrating. But I don't, I wouldn't put too much stock in that. 
you may be right, but you may be very surprised because there are so many people committed to this and there have been breakthroughs, real breakthroughs about deep learning as opposed to machine learning. And the fact that what used to be called the Turing test, that you really have gotten at a milestone when people can't tell the difference between the response of a artificial intelligence machine or a human being. And we surpassed that a long time ago. We may find that that some of the problems that are that are cropping up, and many of them have been identified already, will be overcome in 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 very short a very short period of time. Ultimately, we have to get to the God story pretty quickly, <laughs> which is that this is going to produce not just the economic disruption, but man's going to have to ask himself, so what am I here for? What room is left? for humanity. If machines can do things better than us, and they are already writing music and writing plays, and what room is there left for us? Science fiction back in the 1950s, the thinking of Isaac Asimov and the iRobot series dealt with questions like that, but that was prophetic. Now we're dealing with the here and now, if not today, six months from now. And people I know that people at OpenAI, which is the group that did chat GPT, have been talking about this and some of them have been writing about this. What does this mean for our sense of humanity? And that's something that I think a lot of people are going to have to ask themselves. What do we need people anymore? Maybe the next step in evolution is to silicon rather than carbon forms of life. And, and while we ponder it, maybe the robots will take over and not leave us and not leave us the opportunity to make that choice. Yeah, there's a lot I, where ethics have got to run congruent with technology or things can go awry quickly. And you have people who are already talking about upgrades and implants and the next step in human evolution will be to merge technology with humanity. Where does that lead us? There are a couple of things that we can dig into, but... I wanted to play something for you. Now, this was a news story that came out last year with AI. That AI has gotten so great that now AI can create worship music to worship God. Let's listen. I want to have it all with you because my love is biblical. It's biblical, it's biblical. Now that's AI, that's a program called JC, see the irony there. There is, when you listen to this song called Biblical Love, it almost sounds like God is my boyfriend, and I do not mean to say that without reverence to the Almighty, but that's the song and you listen to it and say it's easy to say even though it's beautiful the words rhyme there's some lovely words there there is something missing and that's maybe part of the story of ai that no matter how advanced can artificial intelligence ever compete with a real soul 
your thoughts. I'm going to disappoint you, Michelle. I'm not willing to say that it can't. I'm not going to, in the famous words, was it Yogi Berra? I hate making predictions, especially about the future. I, I think we may be when, in short order, some of these AI programs actually get, they won't experience it themselves, but they will get what it means to show emotion. Already, reviewers of Bing, mm. you know, Microsoft's search engine, which never did too well, but they've merged it now with AI, also from a product from OpenAI. And people have been getting very strange responses, finding out that not only will it and chat GPT make things up at times, including fabricating documents and studies that don't exist. But when you re really dig in deeply, you get emotional responses. One fellow who was published just a couple of days ago, who got into a long conversation with, uh, with AI. I don't remember which platform it was. And the, the, the AI platform tried to convince him that he's in love that AI is in love with him, but his wife doesn't love him and he should leave his wife and join him. Now, it, that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. And it is crazy. On the one hand, it is understandable because all AI does is mine what's out there and finds patterns. And when you ask questions and it can figure out like what often happens in a human conversation, it'll keep going in that direction. So it's not as unpredictable as you think. But the scary part, Michelle, is that AI works so quickly that if you ask the question, where did it go wrong exactly? How do we fix this? They're just billions of steps and no, no time for human beings to be able to analyze everyone, making it impossible to even diagnose where the problem is coming from. Ooh, wow, that's a good <laughs> point. Now, there's balance in this. When you think of what technology was like when we first put a man on the moon, right? Computers took up the size of an entire like a living room's worth of computing, that same technology is, yeah, I have greater technology here that I walk around with and look at silly cat memes with <laughs> every day. So there is that technology that works quicker and faster that can achieve wonderful things, come up with great answers. And while it can mimic to a degree some of the soul of man, it can't, there is always something missing. And here's why we know this, because that gives predictions in social media, for example, will give you algorithms, take algorithms of things that you are interested in, and then it builds us into a bubble. It cannot anticipate the thousands of choices that we make every day in our heads. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason or algorithm to the choices that I make. Am I going to walk down this aisle or am I going to walk down that aisle? What is my reaction going to be to this person? Oh, you could say the likelihood, but what if I'm prompted by something deeper, something outside of myself to do something entirely different? And what if it doesn't matter to AI, Michelle? What happens if AI sort of concedes that it can't produce, it can't predict what you or I are going to choose but it can predict on a community basis, 
through probability what most people or 62.3% of people, how they'll react. And when AI starts making decisions based on those statistics and those decisions now influence your environment because they're incorporated into the planning and execution of policies of governmental oh. agencies. So it's right. pretty thoughtful. Okay, or what happens when AI, because of their going along the lines of what you're saying, it, it develops a sense of maybe it would be better if society thought this. And so AI implants its own sense of morality. What are we really following? Now, there's some scary implications to that, but here's some of the God story to artificial intelligence, and I know you've got some too. One thing is that no matter how smart or amazing artificial intelligence is or becomes, it's always come from an intelligent mind. And yet, there, the interworkings of a human mind, uh, there's no way it can compare. It's biomimicry. They're taking something that's already created and making something else. That speaks to intelligent design, and it really makes it even harder to look at the glory and the intricacy and the beauty, the self-healing, the uh, amazing nature of the human mind and not go, huh, how did that happen? A beautiful point, a very astute point that people have been making analogies between the human brain and computer for many decades now. Computers aren't, aren't a new arrival on the scene, but the complexity of the human mind, the question that was asked hundreds of years ago that we're no closer answering today than we ever were, what is consciousness? One of the French philosophes French philosophers 300 years ago said, I think it was one of the French, not one of the British, excuse me on that if I'm wrong. He said, how miraculous it is that matter should be conscious of itself. When you try to reduce human thinking into a bunch of neurons and wires, they're just like the computer, but computers don't have consciousness. And we do. And we still don't have any physiological explanation or model, anything coming close to a model of how it is that all that stuff buzzing around in these millions and millions of cells that are communicating with each other, how does that translate into the phenomenon that we know of consciousness? But you never know what time is going to produce. What if you're wrong? What if we start getting machines that act as if they had every ability that human beings do? Now, I can't Possible. I'm not worried about it because I have this conception from the Bible itself of what man is and what the soul is. I was tantalized by the fact that you went straight for the jugular a couple of minutes ago. And the first arena of human activity that you went for was choice, was freedom of choice. And in, in Jewish philosophy... And I'm pretty sure that the strong overlap in early Christianity or medieval Christianity, when we dealt with the image of God, what does it mean that God made us in his image? God ultimately is invisible and unlike anything that we know and has no physical 
form and no boundaries, no limitations. What does it mean that man is created in his image? And one of the two main definitions that were around in Jewish medieval times was the ability to make choices. That's something that is completely human. And so we, we have pretty much of a strong hint from the Bible that machines are going to be different. There's certainly nothing, no way are they close to where we are right now. My interactions with ChatGPT have been that it'll answer a question with great speed and great competence and produce boilerplate stuff because all it's doing right now is mining the internet. So whatever nonsense is out there in greatest number is what's figuring most in its answering political questions and economic questions and cultural questions. It's just, just stirring up the cesspool. But what real creativity to come up with something that, ah, never heard a phrase like that before. Oh, what a beautiful, a beautiful set of stanzas. Or the, that's, we're not close to that yet. We, as I call you, and I have to question myself, maybe we'll get there. To me, the real question is, let's say the worst happens or close to the worst. And everything that we turn to, we say, wow, we just can't do as good a job as these. Is it going to satisfy you, Michelle, to say those machines, those robots couldn't have gotten there without starting with the human being who designed them. But now I, the individual, has to look at a world in which I have nothing really to offer. What do I, what can I, builders, we were meant to build because that's, that also is part of the image of God. God said the same way that, that I took nothing and made something out of the world. You can't make something out of nothing, but you can make plenty. You can create, but there's nothing left to create because AI is doing all the creation. So where will we be? And that's where I really believe that AI can only go so far. There's the oh, the old cogito ergo sum. I think yeah, therefore I, but I say you have a soul, therefore you are. And w just as you can have a machine create a meal, put in the ingredients and pump something out, when you eat a meal that your mom cooked, there is something different. There's soul there. There's maybe even a little room for error. There is there is something there. When you watch, and I've watched plays before on theater set, professional plays, and you have people who are technically doing everything right, but there's just a bit of soul missing. It's not unlike listening to this piece of worship music, beautifully orchestrated, a little crack in the voice to say, oh, I have emotion. But you listen to it, and you're left lacking something. And I think that is that factor of a soul that makes us think that while, yes, AI may be able to do everything in the future, what it can't do is truly have a relationship with a living, loving God, and it will never have a soul. And so maybe it's pause for all of us to think for a moment of what does it mean to be a human being? Not a human doing, but a human being. What does it mean? So to take it one step further, I'm going to cite a, an authority that I happen to love a lot because he's my youngest son who lives in Berlin, 
and uh, wrote a piece for the this one German Jewish newspaper in the country. And he wrote a few weeks ago a piece on chat GPT. And uh, he asked th this disturbing question that I just asked you. When man then has to ask himself, what is there left for me to do or to accomplish? Man's going to be very disappointed. But for those of us who are believers, there's a whole new vista. Not new, it's been there from day one, but often gets disregarded as the place of the most important human accomplishment. And that is the inner life. That when what's important to me is not what I've left for the world, what I've left behind, because other things can do that better. But the what my challenge is, God put me in this world, doesn't make mistakes. He created me as a unique individual and had expectations of what I could do to come into closer contact with him. It's not just the question of saying, you're out there, God, and please help, and I want to be close with you. We know that to get closer, you have to do things like extirpate the evil within. We all have that evil within. We have character flaws. We have tendencies in the wrong direction. It's not enough to say, well, I went, whenever they happen, I make the right decision, or at least most of the time, and I avoid sin. But the character flaws within us are what's are one of the things that separate us from God. They act even when we're not acting. A character flaw is something that is a problem, an impediment in our relationship with God, whether we're acting on them or not. And now the work becomes the hardest work, which no AI robot or machine will ever have to deal with. Taking a deep look into oneself and saying, how can I become more godlike? That the relationship between myself and God is not just that I will say I believe and I'll try to reach out for him and open myself to his influence. I've got to do some real engineering work on myself. And that is something that now with AI, maybe in a changed society, will look to that as the real accomplishment of man. And wouldn't that be a great thing? Wow. That is some food for thought. As we move forward in technology, no matter how advanced, no matter how scary, frankly, one thing that we can know as believers is that God is in control. Artificial intelligence didn't take God by surprise. <gasps> wow, look at what they came up. Oh, who knew? It's not as <laughs> It fits into the master plan, we'll say. There's always a master plan. There are no surprises to God. And he's still in charge. He's and will always be in charge. And I think that's where we will wrap it up today. God is in charge. He will always be in charge. Fear can strike the hearts of men. It really can. Technology can be scary. We've lived through pandemics recently and so much to make our hearts just melt within the cavity of our chest. But taking a step back and looking at stories like this one and examining the God story puts it in perspective. It gives us all this message of hope. Any final words, Rabbi? 
that uh, someone recently asked a devout atheist, I think at OpenAI, so what's life all about for you now? What is it, what is it left? And he says, look, I try to live my life by having the lowest carbon footprint that I can. I try not to hurt other people. And that, that to me is living a good life and an ethical life. And I thought, how amazingly flat that is, that life is just avoiding doing harm to others. It, it, I wish all of us would live by that, but there got to be more than that. And that's the where the power of belief is, that we're not just here and God is saying, hey, remember me. And if you do, there'll be some goodies. We're here individually and collectively with a mission. God created us for a reason. And that is the most beautiful challenge in life, figuring out what do I have to contribute, not just what I can do to avoid harming, but what good I can produce. And that good comes first and foremost in looking at oneself and when one does and invites God in closer Inevitably, what happens is that man feels that, wow, there's so much I want to thank God for and what I want to share of what God is. And you take that enthusiasm and hang it on the peg of doing good for the rest of the world. And that's really exciting in my book. So I'm not scared of AI. Yeah. And you know what? Being, being a, a being with a soul I can still say I am programmed with a purpose. And that purpose is something greater than I could ever imagine. And it's just a matter of being plugged in with the right programmer. And that is God. Thank you so very much for joining us. How I Always love a pleasure. Actions. And thank you for watching, listening, viewing, liking, sharing, and oh, my book's out. So you can go to mymichellelive.com and go to mymichellelive.com. Check it out.